Welcome to the Stop Down Photography Podcast, episode 74. I'm Scott Davenport. Today's topic is the compromise in every frame. Hi, welcome. Thanks for joining. I'm glad to be back with you for another chat about photography, this passion we share. And in today's episode, let's take one more step on our never-ending journey of photography. Every frame a photographer captures is a compromise. When we make one artistic choice for a photo, it invariably comes at the cost of something else. And as photographers, we are constantly managing trade-offs. So today, let's talk about some of the compromises we need to make in our pursuit of photography. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it with a friend on social media with your camera club. And if you can, please leave a rating for the podcast. Fresh ratings help other photographers find out about the show. If you're an iPhone or Mac OS user, you can rate directly in the Apple Podcasts app. Or if you're an Android or Windows user, you can leave a rating on the web at podchaser.com. I've talked about my idea board for episode topics on the podcast before, and this topic, the compromise in every frame, it's been on my list for a while, and it was actually a non-photographic thing that brought it to the forefront of my mind. Time. Time is always a precious commodity, and for me this past week, it was especially precious. It was a very hectic week, you know, much more so than usual. And when the dust finally settled and there was time I could spend on capturing images, I just wasn't feeling creative. And rather than force it, I chose not to go out with the camera. You know, life happens, trade-offs need to be made. And it made me think about trade-offs, think about compromise. And I think we photographers get that because every photo we capture in some way is a compromise. And it's like basically photography 101, right? The first day of class. Early on, we're learning the fundamentals of photography. We learn about the exposure triangle. Aperture, shutter speed, ISO. Change one, the others are affected. Choose a smaller aperture for a greater depth of field, for example. The shutter speed goes up to let enough light into the camera to make a good exposure. You want to compensate for that shutter speed increase the ISO, well, that's going to add noise, and so on, and so on, and so on. Each dial we turn is a push and a pull on our images. Each one affects the exposure, and exposure is the lifeblood of an image. So what do photographers do? We manage the trade-offs. We make compromises. We choose what's most important for our vision for the image and balance the rest as best we can. Now, that's the exposure triangle. We, We know that one. That one's almost inherent to our craft of photography. What about other compromises, other trade-offs we make? For us landscape photographers, how about depth of field versus sharpness? When photographing the landscape, we often want sharpness from the foreground of the composition all the way through the background. And for some photos, this is a distance of miles. You may delve into understanding the hyperfocal distance and that precise focal distance to get the maximum amount of crisp focus in a scene. You might stop down to f16. I do that a lot. What about going to f18 or f22? Some lenses and cameras will go farther than that. I've seen f32 to get that maximum depth of field. Well, that's when diffraction becomes a problem. If you're not familiar with diffraction really quickly, it's a softening 
of sharpness. You know, subjects get a little bit softer when we get to very small apertures because of how the light bends around the edges of the aperture blades in your lens. And yes, it's a real thing and it can be measured. And each lens and camera is a little different. But when you need that extreme depth of field, you have some choices to make, some compromises to manage. You can choose depth over sharpness, stop down to f18, f22. Maybe that's more important for the scene. Maybe sharpness can be compensated for in post-processing. Or you could stick with f16, take a few photos, do some focus stacking in post-processing. That comes with its own set of compromise. If there are moving elements in your photo, that can be a challenge for focus stacking. It also assumes you have the software to do focus stacking. It means you capture more frames, which is more time importing, which is more storage needs, and so on and so on. So my guidance, my rule of thumb that I use, I do what the scene warrants. What's the vision of the photo? And if I can sacrifice a little sharpness because, say, for example, there are atmospherics, mist, fog, sea spray, haze, I can probably drop down to f18 or f22 and not suffer the sharpness problem. But if I need the extra frames to do a focus stacking approach, well, then I'll capture them. And yeah, I suppose you could hedge bets and do the scene both ways, that compromise being more time spent later after the shoot sifting through everything, right? Compromises. Lens choice is another compromise. A longer lens will compress distances. And that may be the artistic choice you need for a photo you want to capture, a feeling that things are just crowded one on top of the other. It also means that less of a scene can be captured. You can fit it all in with a wide-angle lens, however distances will be exaggerated. The foreground is large, which can be very effective for certain landscape photos, but distant objects will be very small. You know, that majestic mountain range that's in the background? Uh, not so majestic when captured at 14 millimeter. Those mountains are way off in the distance. So what do we do in that situation? Well, a variation on focus stacking could be used, exposure blending, really, Capture the scene with two different focal lengths and blend them in post. And again, you've got that same compromise about moving elements, more time spent on the back end. Once again, the guidance, capture the assets in the field that you need to create the photo you have in your mind. Composition is almost always a compromise, at least for landscape photographers. Unlike studio work or portrait session in the landscape, we can't change the position of the elements in the scene. We can adjust our position relative to the landscape until we can't adjust our position relative to the landscape. You know, I can't begin to count the number of times I've been photographing a landscape and wished, mm, if I could just take two more steps to the right, but if I do, I'd fall off a cliff. Or if I could just get one foot higher... But I can't, because my tripod only goes so high. You know, if that one tree branch arched slightly differently, but it doesn't, the tree didn't grow that way. And I'm sure you can relate to these types of examples. You know, uh, we can't control the weather, and we have to compromise on how we frame the scene, given the conditions. And that one, you know, that one can sting sometimes, because it might even compromise a pre-visualized photo. 
But that's what we do. We compromise. We make the best composition we can. We find the most important subject in the scene and build the rest of the composition around it and tell the strongest story we can, given the constraints that nature presents us. Now, I could go on and on with these compromises. You know, our equipment is a compromise, a trade-off of size, weight, money. Our subjects could be a compromise. There are some landscapes I would love to photograph, but I don't know if I have the physical capability to reach them. So maybe I'll choose something similar, something nearby that is not quite the same. Every photo you capture is a compromise. And as a photographer, you learn to manage the trade-offs. My advice is to let your artistic vision for the photo be your guiding principle. Make the active choices that best suit your vision for a scene and manage the ripples of those decisions as best you can. I stumbled across this backstory of a compromise a while ago, but it's, it's an interesting one and it fits well with this whole theme of compromise. The origins of the video standard 24 frames per second. Yes, this is a compromise, and honestly, it's a pretty entertaining story. There's a good article and, and a video uh, at DIY Photography with some more details. I'll put a link in the show notes to it, but to give you the, the basics of this story, this compromise of 24 frames per second, where does this number come from? So back in the film days, and you know, not, not 35 millimeter film, I mean like early movies, motion pictures, they were filmed in feet per minute. It's actually why we have the term video footage, by the way. But the first film standard was 60 feet of film per minute, and that worked out to be about 16 frames of film each second, so 16 FPS. But in the movie houses, so that they could finish films faster, cycle more audiences through the movie house, make more money, they played the films faster, maybe 80 or 90 or 100 feet per minute. That's like 20 to 28 frames per second. And if you've ever watched really old films, you know, the silent movies, why does it always seem like the actors and actresses are moving faster? Well, so they're playing the film faster. So the wrinkle in motion pictures is sound. When sound was introduced, the movie house couldn't play the film faster because the pitch of the actors' voices would go up and they'd all sound like, you know, squeaky little animals. So a new standard was needed. The movie houses were playing films between 80 and 100 feet per minute. All right, let's compromise. 90 feet per minute, right in between. And that works out to be about 24 frames per second. last week's podcasts, I asked for your stories about what you've done to shake up your creativity. And thanks to everyone that sent in a message. I read them all. I've replied to you all. I really enjoyed the interactions. And I got some interesting thoughts and ideas. Everything from an ad hoc road trip, you know, like pick a spot within a given radius and just go and make photos there, uh, to experimenting with out-of-focus work or camera shake to create abstracts. 
uh, it's been great. And of course, now I have a new problem, which one to try out first. And I got to admit, the road trip sounds good because I guess I really haven't been anywhere in quite a while. I think that's true for all of us. So uh, I'm kind of doing that on a small scale, going to an area in San Diego that I don't think I've been to in about a decade. And uh, what's going to be even nice about this is I'll be meeting up with my first human, my like first you know post-pandemic human meetup for uh, for a photo outing later this week. It's a Monday as I record this, and I'm planning this meetup for Friday. And I have to admit, um, I'm excited, and it also feels a little bit weird, you know, uh, actually purposely meeting another person out in out in the, uh, in the in the world. I just haven't done that in so long, but I am looking forward to it. And uh, I'm I'm you know kind of embracing the uh, the change of pace, and I'm expecting that to shake up my creativity a little bit. Seeing a place that I haven't seen in a long time, uh, meeting a friend I haven't seen in a long time. I think it's like one more step toward a return to normal. Before I sign off for this week, thanks as always to the members of our Patreon community. It is your support that makes this podcast possible supports other free tutorials I'm doing on YouTube, and I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate your support. If you are interested in learning more about the Patreon community or other zero-cost ways you can support this podcast, check the show notes. There's a link there with the details. There's also a support the show button on every page of Stop Down Podcast where you can learn more. I think that'll wrap it up. When you're out making your next photo, you feel like you're struggling a little bit with a compromise, know that you're not alone. There's a compromise in every photo ever taken. Every photographer has to manage those trade-offs. Make the shooting choices that tell the strongest story for the scene before you, and then manage the ripples and surrounding trade-offs of those decisions as best as you can. And until next time, my name's Scott Davenport. Have fun. <laughs>